Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. After last weekend's teaching in this Titanium series, this special summer series on the armor of God, uh, one of our staff emailed and said, you know, I, I actually have a bulletproof vest. Because in the first uh, teaching of this series, I was talking about... Uh, you know, my dad having to wear when he was a bodyguard, not only for Queen Elizabeth, but the Prime Minister of India when he was visiting Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And he, when he was on security for them, when they would be visiting the city that my dad policed in, uh, he would have to wear, you know, something like this. I never forget just sort of saying, wow, to think that someone could send a bullet out of a gun against my dad and this would stop it. You know, just quite amazing. And, uh, you know, Pastor Dennis uh, keeps wanting me to put this on. And uh, maybe I will for our Q&A time. I'm not sure what he has in mind, what he's going to shoot at me. But anyway, <laughs> listen, the Apostle Paul says to us that we also have a bulletproof vest for invisible bullets that come at us. Much more effective and just powerful beyond titanium's ability to sort of stand up against what we're hit with, the hatred and the evil and the anger and the injustice and the racism, all those things that come at us in, in our lives here on planet Earth. There is an armor that protects us. Listen to what he says now. Here's just one quote from a whole teaching that he gives in Ephesians 6. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now, over this summer uh, series, we're going to look at all six. You know, last week it was the belt of truth. This week, the breastplate of righteousness. We're going to look at all six and putting on all, every piece of God's armor uh, to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, last weekend's teaching, and the body armor of God's righteousness. What does that mean, to put on the body armor of God's righteousness? Well, there's actually, there are actually three kinds of righteousness that we can put on. We can put on, we don't have to put on Christ's righteousness, we can put on self-righteousness. That happens when we compare ourselves to others. You know, you, you, you've heard that line that, well, you know, I don't need Jesus. I'm not all that bad. I, you know, I, I see a whole lot of people, some of them call themselves Christians, and I live better in this area of my life than they do, and we justify ourselves, all right? So there's that sense of comparing ourselves to others, and we say, you know, I never murdered anybody. 
You know, self-righteousness, comparing ourselves to others. We can also put on another kind of righteousness, a religious righteousness. That comes from earning it. You know, I do these rituals. I don't do those bad things. And I uh, do good to others. I, 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 I go to religious gatherings, you know. But the problem with that, of course, is then it leads to superiority where you have a sense that we're superior in our religious group to people from other backgrounds. And that's where what happened in the residential schools can actually come about in a religious context because of this religious self-righteousness. We're superior. These people need to be devalued, need to become more like having our religion. And then there's a third kind of righteousness. Obviously, this is the one we're going to focus on today, Christ's righteousness. It comes from <laughs> not earning it, not comparing ourselves to others, but humbly receiving it as a gift. Now, the Apostle Paul, actually in his lifetime, had, had the opportunity to try on all three kinds of righteousness, and he gives us his review of all three in uh, the book of Philippians, all right? We, we, we find it right there in the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul, first he talked about the time he tried on self-righteousness. He says, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed if others, you know, comparing himself to others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Talk about clothing himself in self-righteousness, but then he clothes himself in religious righteousness. He just keeps going on in Philippians, same, same chapter 3, the very next verses, I was a member of the Pharisees, religious group of the time, very uh, proud religious group who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Why? Because Pharisees were superior. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And so he tries on religious righteousness. Now comes time for his assessment after he puts on Christ's righteousness. He says, I once thought that these things, self-righteousness, religious righteousness, were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ." So Christ's righteousness not only is the top recommendation, he's saying the other ones are worthless. It's the only recommendation that I have for you. Now, it's amazing though, isn't it, how the devil, and if you missed Pastor Jonathan's teaching two weeks ago when we talk about devil and demons and just contextualizing all of the reality of that. Listen, if you get your information about the devil and demons from, you know, zombie or exorcism movies, you, you need to get yourself a Bible and just and, and join Pastor Jonathan's teaching. Go to the church website, archive, and find uh, the teaching, the first teaching of this series. It'll really help just sort of sort out uh, what those powers of evil, darkness are, and, and that's what we're sort of moving 
on the basis that you've had some understanding of that. So get in on that if, you, if this is new to you or you need just sort of an update on that. But it's amazing how the devil changes his tune when a person goes from, when they try on the righteousness of Jesus as opposed to religious and self-righteousness. You know, he, he'll, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll start to say to that person, listen, you're not that bad. You don't need Jesus. Compare yourself to others. And, and, and he keeps it there. But as soon as someone says, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ to do for me a righteousness that I can't come up with on my own, I'm going to receive his righteousness. And you begin to follow Jesus. It's amazing how the devil will then start to say, you're not that good. He used to say, you're not that bad. You don't, you're not that good. Jesus is perfect. You'll never be perfect like him. Margaret sang uh, a song, led us in a song earlier in this gathering that said, when my mind says, I'm not good enough. <laughs> Where did those thoughts come from that say, yeah, you're trying to follow Jesus? You, you, you're not good enough. Who are you to think that you're going to be some good Christian? Who are you to think that, you know, you're not kind enough, you're not patient enough, you're, 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 you don't do enough good, you don't give enough, you don't serve enough, you don't pray enough, you're not spiritual enough, you're not enough. And then those voices, how many have uh, had this happen where, you know, you're serving the Lord, you, you want to follow Jesus and and then uh, these voices sort of come and haunt you and try and just sort of erode your, your faith and your confidence in following Jesus into your future because they'll say, you know, if you're a Christian, why do you still struggle with worry and fear and lust and anger? Why are you having these anxiety attacks if you're a follower of Jesus? Why are you struggling with insecurity and identity issues? Why, why are you struggling with that? And we're, we're going to get to that whole area of growth in righteousness in just a moment. But we understand this. Or actually, let, let's, let's put what we're going to cover today around three words. The first one is this, expect. Second one is this, enjoy. Third one is this, and trust, all right? Expect is the first one. Expect what? Expect false accusations. Expect them. They are actually evidence you are a true follower of Jesus, all right? Let's break that down. Expect false accusations. Even in the Old Testament, people who tried to follow God and do God's will, people like Joseph. Remember Joseph? He was falsely accused. Remember, Mrs. Potiphar had the hots for Joseph, and Joseph kept turning her down. And she uh, grabbed his coat one day, and he just ran out of that place. And she, holding on to that coat of his, said, you know, look, you know, and she accused him uh, of sexual assault. And Joseph went to prison, and he was there for years, all because of false accusations and and. And, and God was with him in prison, the Bible says, but here he is in prison because of false accusations. And we'll see later what, what happens to Joseph. But Jesus, our hero, the perfect one, if someone who is perfect experiences false accusations, we're certainly going. I mean, Jesus was falsely accused of doing miracles by the power of the devil. <laughs> he was accused of treason before Caesar. He was accused of breaking the laws like the Sabbath. When he's brought on trial for his crucifixion, he's accused of all kinds of false accusations. 
So every one of us are going to have false accusations. We can expect them. But what is this whole area of they're actually evidence you're a true follower of Jesus? Well, just look at this verse. Revelation says, the accuser of our brothers, the devil is the accuser of our brothers. Who's he accusing? Brothers and sisters. <laughs> Followers of Jesus. They're the ones he's accusing. So it, when you're accused falsely by the devil, it's actually evidence to verify that you are indeed a brother or sister. You're a follower of Jesus. But he has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them, the brothers and sisters, before God day and night. All right, there are two kinds of false accusations we're going to look at right now. And then we'll see what they really look like and how to defeat them at the end. All right? But here, here they are. Let's just put them on the table. There are two kinds of false accusations. One is a reactivation of sins you already confessed to. All right? So you did wrong, but you went to Jesus and you repented. You turned away from them and he cleansed them away. But then somehow they come back. They're reactivated. I'm going to tell a story about a wonderful... Uh, senior citizen in our congregation who, uh, who, who spent decades of her life unnecessarily uh, entertaining false accusations that were reactivated from something that she had confessed. Now, then there's a second kind, and that is fabrication of wrongs you did not even do. Sort of like Joseph. Joseph goes to prison not because he did wrong, but because he refused to do wrong. And we can, I'm going to tell a personal story about where I experienced false accusations and how the Lord came through just like he did for Joseph. But false accusations are one of the bullets that the armor of God will protect you from. The, the Apostle Peter joins the Apostle Paul in saying, watch out, you're going to get hit with bullets from the evil one. He says this, he says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, so we expect false accusations. We expect lies. And we put on the armor of God, okay? And let's enjoy putting on the armor of God, all right? Enjoy lifelong growth into Christ's righteousness. All right, every one of us that's a follower of Jesus, of course, we want to be more and more like Jesus to please him with our lives. And that's why it's so distressing to us when we mess up because it's like, oh, Jesus, I wanted to, you know, didn't want to go to anger or lust or jealousy or, or anxiety or fear. And then here I am just going right back and we, and we begin to beat ourselves up. Because it's almost like we expect ourselves, okay, I'm following Jesus and I want to become Mr. or Ms. Super Christian overnight. And, and of course, it doesn't happen that way. We, we start uh, as infants in Christ and we grow into his grace and truth. You know, when we mess up, it, it's time to put on the belt of truth and say, Jesus, if your righteousness was... If my righteousness was good enough, you would never have had to leave heaven to come and give me yours. Never would have had to. 
Our righteousness will never be good enough. But when Jesus sees us and God the Father sees us growing in the, the grace and the truth and just endeavoring to become more and more like Jesus, Father, God is pleased with us every step of the way. Um, you know, during COVID, of course, a lot of negative has happened and uh, loss of loved ones uh, being uh, one of the worst things that we've experienced. But, you know, the arrival of a little baby, you know, to the Smith household, uh, Esther and I, my wife and I have had two sons. They each had two sons. And then during COVID, our first ever little granddaughter was uh, born. And uh, just a, a delightful occasion. But I, I remember I, I um, texted my friend, Dr. Van, because he has three daughters. And I said, I finally have a, a little granddaughter. And uh, he said, welcome to the big leagues, you know. But, but how many think this little girl might be spoiled in her life? It, it, it could happen, right? Could happen. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. No one's ever going to accuse that little girl, Eleanor, of not being mature enough. You know, I'm going to see her later today, and I'm not going to say, why, why, why aren't you talking yet? Why aren't you walking yet? Why aren't you going to the fridge and feeding yourself? You're depending on your parents to feed you. Why, why, why don't you go out and get a job and, and make a contribution? You know, no, no. We are just so pleased that she is complete in her immaturity. Do you see that? For this stage of her life, she is healthy. She is doing things well. That's the way that God looks upon you. He sees you doing well, even though you're immature, even though you're learning and you can't do certain things like Jesus does them, he sees you as maturing. He sees you as growing healthily and that pleases Father God. And so how do we grow? Well, it starts that when we do wrong, we confess it. When we mess up, confess it. Here, here's, listen to what John says when we confess our sins. You know, he'll forgive us our sins. But he also says this right in that same chapter. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, <laughs> these, are, these are Christians he's talking to. We do sin. He says, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Remember Jesus gives us his righteousness as a gift. And uh, we grow into it. And how do we do that? Well, when we mess up, we confess it. Secondly, when we, after we confess it, we learn from it. Don't beat yourself up every time you fail when you're just, you know, you're trying to follow Jesus and they say, oh no, I slipped up and I stumbled and I fell. Get back up again. Learn from it. Don't dismiss the failure. Don't minimize it. Confess it. Deal with it with all seriousness. Get free from it. Have it cleansed away. But then don't fixate on the failure. Linger on the lesson. Learn from it. And then, after you confess it, learn from it. And then, put on Christ's righteousness and stand in it. All right? How do we do that? Well, remember, expect False accusations, enjoy growth, even through all failures, including false accusations that come against us for areas we didn't even do wrong in. And then third, entrust false accusations to your advocate. 
remember the two kinds of false accusations to expect? One was a reactivation of sins you already confessed to. I'll never forget this uh, senior. <laughs> you know, in our church family, I can tell you where her and her husband sat uh, in this physical room that I'm teaching you from today that we look forward to gathering in when, when it's safe to do so. And but I remember her and her husband just faithful and contributing and so supportive and encouraging. So it was a bit of a shock when she came to see me one day, made an appointment, came to see me. And here's, here was the shock of it all. She said, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I, I made this mistake and she told me about it. And, uh, and she, and, uh, but she says, I just, I just haven't gotten rid of it. I just get haunted by it. It just keeps coming back. It, it was really a reactivation of a sin she'd already confessed to. And, I mean, she really was the sweet little old lady, you know. And to think that she had been tormented all these years unnecessarily, because I asked her, I said, you mean you sinned when you were a teenager? Okay, you did wrong. And did you confess it? Oh, yes, she said. I confess it all the time. I keep confessing it, but it just keeps coming back, and I go to do something for the Lord or to help some. And who, who do you think you are to be doing that? And, but I realized, man, she's been carrying this for a long time. She needs some strong medicine from her pastor at that time. So I, I was strong, and I said, you mean to tell me that you've been carrying something because you're listening to the devil accusing you of something that Jesus has an entirely different version of. He has an entirely different story because he died on the cross for that. And, and, and one of his followers said, if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's how faithful injustice. He'll cleanse us. That's what he died for. So you're going to have to choose whether you're going to listen to the, what the devil says falsely accusing you or you're going to listen to what Jesus says when he says, you're now my righteousness. What you have done has been cleansed away and I no longer see the things you have done. I only see the forgiveness of my son. That's what Father God says. And so when we talked about and so I gave her some homework before she left that day. And I said this, I said, next time that false accusation comes to your mind, you go to do something and, and you're reminded of it, uh, don't even talk to the devil, all right? Don't even give him that credit, you know? Just, just say, thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me from that unrighteousness, because he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And then if it happens again, you just... You'll find it'll happen less and less. But when it, ha when it happens again, you just say, thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me from that unrighteousness. Listen, I am talking to people today. Listen, the enemy of your relationship with Jesus has been holding you prisoner for far too long with false accusations. And you need to say, I'm going to decide and I'm going to promise Jesus from this day forward that, Lord, I failed you in my life, and I failed you in the past, but I'm going to believe and live in what you have said about it. I'm going to put on your armor. I'm going to stand in your righteousness, and I will no longer be entangled with that 
chain of false accusation in my life. Oh, this can be a turning point. We're going to pray about that in our prayer of declaration at the end of the teaching today. The other way is a fabrication of wrongs you did not even do. That's another way you get hit with false accusations. And it's so easy. Listen, when you have been falsely accused, it's so easy, the injustice and to simmer and the anger and the wanting to get revenge against that person that has brought that pain and uh, it's so false, it, it is so wrong. And then you read a verse like this in the Bible in Romans, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Remember the advocate we read about earlier in one of the verses in 1 John? The advocate is one who pleads your cause. You're not alone when you're falsely accused because you have one who's been falsely accused who knows what it is to conquer it, to overcome it. And on your behalf, he advocates for you. He brings it before the Father. He pleads your case. You know, during the time when we were um, doing the building expansion for the next generation, I walked by and on my way in to teach you this morning. And, and it says, you know, that scripture from the Psalms, it's still right up there over the, uh, the children youth wing. And it says, so the next generation would know. And, uh, you know, it was during that time, and, and you can expect that when you're doing something good to be tried to be uh, hit by the evil one. And I remember that it was um, during that whole season of building the, uh, the facility for the next generation that a woman came to uh, see me about an adulterous relationship that she said she was having with one of our staff and had been going on for, for, for quite some time. And long story short, uh, when the person confessed and, and we, we tried to just do what was scriptural for both of them. You know how scripture says, restore in meekness. And so we had a restoration plan going for the staff member. We had a healing and restoration plan going for this woman who had been uh, involved in this adulterous relationship. And, uh, and, and yet it was during that time that a friend of the person on our staff, uh, you know, he was very anti-church, very anti-church leadership, and he'd uh, said some nasty things in the past about uh, people who had, by God's grace, had tried to serve the Lord. And uh, so he, anyway, he was a friend and he thought he would help out his friend and got involved. And, uh, and when he found out his friend would no longer be leading that ministry in our church, because we asked him to set that aside, use this time to be restored, to find freedom and grace and healing and help. Um, he, he, he just, well, he began to write me. He called me a blankety-blank-blank monster, called me a dictator, called me all kinds of things. He, he kept writing as I explained what we were doing was the best for the people involved scripturally. And it reached the point where he was, uh, he, he, he was very proud of how he had attacked other church leaders. And he actually said this. He says, I'm going to make it my mission to take you down, Keith Smith. And uh, we didn't hear from him for a while. We'd had a lot of threatening emails up to that point and I didn't hear from him for a while until Esther and I were on our 40th wedding anniversary trip in the Dominican Republic. 
And uh, a couple of days before coming back to Toronto, and I had to speak that weekend, I opened up my emails, all my church emails, and amidst those many emails was one from someone who claimed to be the, the treasurer of our church, Agent Court Pentecostal Church at that time, uh, one church TO. And uh, so, actually, I was hit with three bullets in this letter when you think of it. Deception. Because the letter claimed to be from the church's treasure, it wasn't. So, that was one bullet, deception. You know, he impersonated a church leader and said it was from him. And that was, you know, false identity, all kinds of things there. And then, not only deception, but lies. He said the church was in decline and was going down. We, we were in a wonderful season of God's blessing. He, he said in the letter that the church's finances were, were down. Uh, he used the word alarmingly. And uh, I remember telling our members when I read to them from the letter at the very next annual business meeting, because a lot of them had got the letters, pastors across Canada had got this letter. It was really trying to humiliate and uh, bring down the name of our church. And, and I remember introducing the treasurer, Joel Smith, at that time, and I said, our treasure's going to come now. Our, our finances are not down alarmingly. They are actually, we had another record-breaking year. I remember that year, $4.4 million of, of God's people giving towards the, the, the mission and the ministry and helping people in Toronto and around the world. So there, was, there were lies, there were false accusations, nasty things were said about me and my wife and kids and staff that, that weren't at all true. Um, I mentioned I was called a dictator. I remember one day the, our bookkeeper knocked on the door of my office and she came in with a whole bunch of the staff and they said, Pastor Keith, we're here to tell you we love you, we support you, and we just want to come right now and pray for you. And so I stood up so that they could gather on and pray. She said, no, the bookkeeper said, no, you sit down, we're going to gather, you just sit right there. I said, hold on, you're telling me what to do? I'm supposed to, have you not read the letter yet? I'm supposed to be a dictator around here. But our, our our church lawyer looked at the chain of emails. Uh, he says, you know, there's solid case here for defamation of character, and I advise you to get your own personal lawyer. And I didn't really even seriously entertain that. I thought, can you imagine using that time and that energy and the focus of the church people? Here we are trying to build to reach Trontonians in the next generation, and I've got such amazing support from deacons who just stood right in there. They saw the evidence. They saw the truth and the, the memory and the staff, pastors like Pastor Jonathan, who was in Montreal, a senior pastor at that time, Dr. Van, different ones were just, were just so encouraging to me at that time. Thank God for people who will join their shield with the shield of faith that you have. You'll be hearing that about that in the series uh, coming up. And uh, and and do you know what? Even to see the Lord orchestrating things, because you know how in this, if you've attended one church, Teal, you know that we put up posters of all the series that we're going to do, and they're planned month, months ahead, and the topics are put up on the wall. Well, when I was flying back from the Dominican Republic to speak that following weekend, guess what I was speaking on? We were in a Joseph series, and it, it was already in print, all around the building, and uh, in, in media, 
And it was saying, Pastor Smith continues the Joseph series this weekend. He's speaking on how to handle false accusations. It was a series from the life of Joseph. Because remember, Joseph got those false accusations. And yet one day he stood before his brothers. (laughs) And he said, what you intended for evil, God made into good. And I remember, because I knew they were those slanderers and and those false accusers were, were stalking us and wondering what I would say the first weekend back. And I said, you know, handle false accusations in such a way that one day you will be able to look right in the eyes of those who have falsely accused you and say, what you intended for evil, God has turned to good. And that's what he wants to do for you. When you are falsely accused, whether it's by the enemy over the past or whether it's by people that you thought you could trust that that accuse you, it could be from the workplace, it could be from family that didn't get the facts right, it could be from, from, from anywheres that it happens, but how do we handle them? Oh, yes, put the truth out there. Say what actually happened to the right people, but then also put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You need his righteousness to protect the essentials, to protect the vital organs of your spirituality, to protect your heart from bitterness and wanting to seek revenge, to protect your heart from and, and your vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You need the armor of God. You need his righteousness for that. Oh, some of you have been on my heart this week as I've been praying about this teaching because right now you're being hit with false accusations. Others, you're still processing false accusations that have come at you from the past. And listen, when you feel the, the uh, injustice of it all, Turn to Jesus and put on his armor. He's going to go to work on your behalf. When you feel the humiliation of it all, I've been there. Put on the armor of God. When you feel the dread and the loneliness of false accusations, put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because whether it's a a failure from the past that the enemy tries to reactivate or it's something that's been fabricated to be used against you, when you stand in Christ's righteousness, you stand firm in the freedom wherein Christ has made you free. You know what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit think of you. What better company can you have as you stand in his righteousness and you refuse to become entangled with those false accusations. Today can be a turning point for many because, listen to me, the Lord will fight for you. Give God space and time to go to work on your behalf. Tell the truth, but stand firm in his righteousness. Let's pray this together. Jesus, thank you for gifting me with your righteousness. When I confess my sins, you cleanse me and I put on your righteousness. When I am falsely accused, I humbly stand in your truth and righteousness, and you will have the final say. Thank you that no weapon formed against me will prosper as I stand as your child in your armor. In the strong name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.